0: Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. Welcome to Ability Stories. I'm Tara Briggs, and my guest today is Sonia Patel. And Sonia, what do you you teach?
1: I teach uh, kindergarten through fifth grade general music in an uh, elementary school.
0: Awesome, awesome. So that is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm way excited to have you on. I love it. I've had a couple of listeners contact me um, and offer to come on and tell their stories, and I've really enjoyed that. But, yeah, you contacted me a while ago, and then I had my baby, so. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I'm back into things. Um, Good. So, anyway, why don't we start with just tell me a little bit about um, how you lost your sight and how your family reacted to it.
1: Um, I was born prematurely, and um, retinopathy of prematurity, it was called RLF back then, but now it's retinopathy. Retinopathy of prematurity uh, is my eye condition, meaning that I, uh, as I understand it, received too much oxygen while in the incubator. I was two, porn, two pounds when I was born, and um, and back then, you know, they did what they had to do, and that was the result of my vision loss. So I am totally blind and have been since birth. Uh, my family immigrated here from india and uh, in in india the perception of blindness is very different than than that of here yet they handled it quite well and as a result i feel like i am where i am today uh, as they they did so much to further my education and support my needs and that kind of thing but it was a shock to them in the beginning, of course, and they didn't have, um, they had good, you know, a lot of friends and things and had some support system. But, um,
0: so how, why do you think, um, why do you think they handled it well?
1: Well, you know, I wonder to this day because I, I guess it was just their strength and, um, I'm sure they faced their times of, of you know, why did this happen to us type of thing. Mm-hmm. But but I feel like they... I don't know. I don't know what got them through it, to be honest with you, because it was unheard of, you know, in India. Well, I shouldn't say unheard of, but it was not known to them, you know, uh, they didn't have any family or anything that, that had any kind of disability.
0: Yeah, I, I'm... I mean, my I'm in a similar situation to you. I have retinopathy of prematurity too, and um, my mom said that she didn't want a doubly disabled child, and and basically, yeah, she said I don't I don't want to raise you forever. When you're 18, you know, you're off. You're finding mm-hmm. your own life. I'm not doing it forever. So for her, that was a big motivator. Was you know, you've you've got to be independent. And so we're going to start as early as you know, start as early as she could, having age-appropriate expectations. So, um, did you have other siblings?
1: I have a, uh, have a younger brother.
0: Do you have you know any positive or negative experiences about um, growing up as a blind person that you want to want to share?
1: Well, um, positive experiences. I went through public school um for a few years through second grade and then uh went to the school for the blind and we're kind of jumping ahead of our story but um went to the school for the blind in nashville and then went back to public school in the 11th grade and graduated from there and i feel like being at the school for the blind for me was a positive in terms of learning some skills that that were necessary for me to have, um, and this, the positive was also graduating from the public high school and getting some academic skills that I needed. Um, when I was a young child, I did learn braille in the public schools uh, in in first first grade or so, and that was a positive. Some negatives, I feel like were during my school career were when I was in the second grade. I can remember moving to a small, very small town and uh, at the time didn't have a vision teacher. And I remember that before they hired someone, that feeling of, you know, I want to do something, but I'm not able to as this, the support is not there for me in terms of books being in Braille or, things that I needed being available to me easily.
0: So um, I'm just really interested. How come... um, Why the the changes from public school to the blind school and then back to public school?
1: Well, when I... We had moved to that small town, and services Mm -hmm. were... I did finally get a vision teacher, but the services were not wonderful. Mm And so... Someone came and talked to us about the school for the blind, which was two hours away at the time, and and we liked what we saw, and uh, so we decided to take that route. Parents decided, and I and they asked me as well. And then, as time went on, I was feeling like I was not getting what I needed academically. I was not academically challenged, and so. That is when we decided to move back to our local public school, which by that point in time, my parents had moved to Nashville for me, essentially, and because they didn't like the fact that I was so far away from home, and uh, this was like seven years later, after I had been to the School for the Blind, and they um, moved up here, and then, and then I went to the public high school, and they supported me in that as well, and said, "Hey, if that's what you feel like you want to do, we're okay with it."
0: so you went when you went to the school for the blind, um, were you staying in the dorms for part of the time? Yes, yes, is, all the all like? the time. Because have you read the Harry Potter books?
1: I have not.
0: yeah, they no. they they stay in this magic this wizard boarding school. And it's presented oh. as this idyllic, just awesome, total independent Aww. situation.
1: Um, and well, then we had, had some. I had some good times in the dorms, but I mean, I I feel like at the time, you know, I had I had lots of great friends. They had lots of activities for us, but yet it was sheltering in some ways, as as it would be. Um, but yet, I would not trade that experience. I think it did teach me mm-hmm. the sense of independence and. You know, I still remember every morning we had to get up and make our bed in the morning. That's the first thing you did before you went, got ready for school. And mm-hmm. still to this day, that's the first thing I do. I don't like to leave my house and, until my bed is made, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I mean, that's just a small thing. But, you know, lots of great memories in the dorms and lots of good friends that, that I had at the time. But, yet, I did miss my family a lot. I did. I was one of those kids that went home uh, almost every weekend my parents would pay for me to ride the Greyhound bus, or I, I guess at the time it was called the Trailways and uh, Trailway or something to that effect. And I would come home, but yet every two weeks the school bus from the school would transport us home. Now they get to go home every week, and uh, it's it's a better situation because I th- I think that was a key part of my life was my, is my family and the bond that we have. Yeah, and you know so.
0: So, um, tell me about, um, what what got you interested in music? Did you did you study music at the School for the Blind?
1: I did study music, but before then, uh, my parents always uh, music was always in our home, and so even at the age of three, I remember Mom taught me a few little songs, and I performed. I can remember holding the microphone as a little kid, standing on this little carpet, and it was kind of a Indian community um, uh, gathering that we had, and it was like a little talent show that they had. And mom had taught me a couple of songs in different languages, and like our home language, and then in English, and and I, I sang those things. And uh, mom still talks about it, you know, like when we talk about what got me into music. And so uh, later, she bought me this from a yard sale she bought me this it was an organ like an electric organ Mm -hmm. and which was a big deal at the time because they didn't have a lot of money but I guess in her mind she knew that music was something I was into I didn't know how to play or anything at the time but I would just fiddle around with it eventually I uh, took piano lessons at the school for the blind that was my first introduction to actual formal lessons in the third grade and then that's when I my parents got me a keyboard for home, and I learned to. Um, I figured out based on my piano lessons, I learned how to play some of my um, Indian songs and, and and things that we sang in our at our temple, and just by ear. And I made that transition of the two, and so it's always you know I was the one that I was. Would they'd say, "Oh, why don't you sing us a little something?" Or why don't you play a little something for us? And so, um, you know, up to up to five years ago, I was that one that one person that everybody came to, and 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 still they do. But it's you know, I'm older now, so it's not as as astounding to have a right. blonde person saying, you know,
0: right, right. Um, did when you when you went to the um, public school? What was that like?
1: When well, you I remember public school and high school. Yeah, I, I remember it was culture shock. Really, I mean, I remember that first day of school. I remember I had somehow missed the bus, and I was so I my mom had to come pick me up, and it was not very far away. But I got in the car, and I just cried and cried and cried. And mom was like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "I don't know," and I didn't really know. And I just was upset. And later, I. Yeah, you know, thought about it and I think it was the fact that it was such a different environment that I was just kind of in shock I mean I'd had a great day mm-hmm. I had been prepared beforehand I had the mobility and I knew where I was going and um I knew the layout of the school I had met the, the teachers beforehand and everything but it was I just think it was a shock
0: were um were the students accepting of you
1: Absolutely, yeah. I was a part, uh, the first year I went back to the School for the Blind, I'm sorry, the public school, mm-hmm. um, that 11th grade year, I remember that there were there was a, a play, and one of my friends that I rode with, she was going to try out for it, and I went, she said, you know, do you mind waiting with me until I'm finished? I said, okay, sure. And I had no in- no intention of trying out for this little musical ended up somehow I don't know what made me do it but I said okay I'll try out on the spur of the moment and I got up there and I had not prepared or anything and then I started singing um thought, what can I sing and I remember it was that song it's an old song but it was called you light up my life mm-hmm. and I started singing and I went I kind of forgot the words and then I started Stopped, and then I said, "Could I have an A minor chord?" and the, and the lady was like, uh, "Okay." And so she played her A minor chord, and then I started singing, and and I made it into the play, mm. and um, it was a musical, and it had dancing in it and singing, and I had everybody fooled, and um, they taught me the choreography and everything, and and. So that was my kind of acceptance of sorts in, oh. at school. And then the next year I joined the marching band. How, um, did, was,
0: how did you, did you march? I was in the, market. I did not
1: march. I did not march. I was in the pit yeah, or what they I, call the pit. Yeah.
0: I played my flute.
1: Yeah. in the yeah. yeah. Oh, did you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, how I, was I that? Found, how?
0: It was fine. I found out after, you know, I left high school that other blind people ended up, have been in the marching band and I think what you did is you tied fishing line around your waist and the waist right? of the to people next to you and you you know you got the feel of it
1: right so, I could say that yeah yeah
0: but I didn't I didn't know that' so I played with the pitch the pitch. yeah but it was fun yeah I, I, I yeah had time. yeah
1: they had a keyboard that they rolled out for me and they'd made this cart and I was but uh, it it that was my really uh year that senior year of getting to know a lot more people and it was a wonderful experience that i would not trade for anything i also had the experience the year before though when i first started of this girl had been assigned to walk with me and um to a class because usually i would leave a few minutes early but the the girl had been they'd asked that this or maybe I had asked—I can't remember—that somebody walked with me in the, at the beginning when I was switching classes to, mm-hmm. to, from one class to this other class. And eventually, I had—I had this teacher that was very—he had had a blind person in the past, and he was very uh, had his stereotypic beliefs of what blind people could do. This person was very lazy, evidently. And so he had his beliefs, and so he tried to give that girl extra credit for walking with me. And she, of course, told me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so then I talked to my vision teacher, and she said, well, and I think she was teaching me to be assertive at the time, and she said, why don't you talk to him and explain to him that, you know, you'll be able to walk by yourself from now on. And uh, so that's what I did. How, how did and the conversation go? It, I think it went fine because okay. that that um, teacher ended up you know, thinking I was all that in a bag of chips, as we would say here in the South. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, was at my graduation and, you know, spoke to me and he was one that never spoke to people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I I guess, you know, I kind of proved myself to him and it all worked out, but.
0: Yeah, I, I remember in high school, um, there was a ceramics, the ceramics teacher years before I came had watched a, blind sculptor on oh. a, a program and she was sculpting somebody's face
1: uh, oh by touching it uh-huh. and she was
0: sculpting exactly what she was feeling hopefully that yeah. person didn't normally touch faces uh, well you never know <laughs> but well, <laughs> we'll give her the benefit of the doubt yeah. but anyway yeah. he he realized from that that you know the um you could you know the pottery was a really tactile thing and mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we wanted a, a blind student and every time he saw me in the hall when are you going to join uh, my class when are you going to join oh my dear. class uh,
1: did you ever do it
0: i did i loved him he was great wow um he that's awesome yeah, it can it go
1: the amazing. other it can go the other way too like i remember in college though that i had i had this music uh, theory professor and he i didn't do real well on this test and he was like well you know i expect much better from you i'd had a blind student in the past and You know, she made blah, 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 or he made blah, 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 and I expect much better. And I thought, I'm not that student. You know, I'm, I'm, we're all different. Yeah. You know, and that, and that really hurt my feelings at the time, you know. Um, and it made me realize, too, that, you know, I have to look at people in different ways. And just as we don't want anybody to stereotype us, we don't want to be stereotyped as anybody else.
0: When you graduated from, um, High school you uh, what did you want to do?
1: Well, I thought I was wanting to do social work but I didn't really know what that meant it was just because another friend was doing it so I thought okay, I'll do it too <laughs> but <laughs> the first semester I mean you know that's how you are when you're young and no so no different but um, I the first semester there was some class that I didn't enjoy and so I dropped it and ended up taking... Uh, Music appreciation instead because that was something I enjoyed and I thought when I got in that class you know what this is what I want to do with my life, you know, and so I That's when I that's when I essentially knew that music education was what I wanted to go into Mm. and so that's where it started and I um, Took all the, the music classes and a lot of those professors had not had anybody that was a blind student before they have since then and um except that those few that had maybe taught somewhere else you know and had a few like that theory professor but but uh so that was a challenge you know figuring out how to do certain things and at that time technology was not readily available to do all that is able to be done now with writing music and such which i unfortunately haven't learned which i would like to but I got to have somebody to kind of teach me those things, but, um, and the time to, to learn, but back then it was, you did your theory homework, and somebody had to write it out for you, and, uh, luckily, my reader, she, she was, uh, she had, she could read music, and she was not a music major, but she was, might as well have been, and, but she helped me write, she wrote all my theory homework, and, um it was all music notation and so there was i had no control over what i wanted to do you know
0: yeah now did, did you know braille music did, or do you know i braille did
1: mhm oh. i do i learned braille music at the school for the blind once again that's a skill that i still to this day am, am using and uh
0: but you don't you don't like, know the print stuff
1: i well i've had to learn it because i teach it now to kids mhm um but uh, you know, I've had to learn what it looks like.
0: You did student teaching, right?
1: I did student teaching. Before I did student teaching, we had little practicum experiences where we got to go out to the schools and um, see other people teach, and we got to practice teaching. Just it was a part of a class that we took. And one of the my my professor that taught that class, she said, "Oh, there's this wonderful lady that I want you to to go observe." And this was in the beginning of my music education, you know, degree of, of getting it. And, and this lady was wonderful in that she had not had any experience with blind people, but she was really good about uh, making lessons that I could follow very easy, or teaching lessons that I could observe and follow very easily. And she thought about how I would modify things such as uh, raising your hand. Well, we came up with the raising our hand issue later, but we'll talk about that in a minute but it was something like okay when you when you hear this music do this raise your hand well obviously that's a silent signal so she she would say well when you hear the music do this um, clap very softly one person at a time or something but you know she would was thinking for me in terms of how i would mo- go about modifying different visual cues and um After, when it was time for me to student teach, those kinds of skills came in really handy. I ended up student teaching with another lady uh, who who was just as good and um, as well. That was like a K through two school, and then uh, then I had to do high school for the other part of the semester, and that was an experience as well because it was a high school choir and conducting is such a visual thing, and so I had to learn how to. I had a one-on-one class beforehand um, as one of my classes that I had to take. That they let me have one-on-one with with the instructor, who, uh, funny enough, was not a hands-on person. It was all auditorially. He was a male, and so it was all you know. I guess he didn't feel comfortable, you know. Yeah. Doing showing me hands on, and so he was would try to explain to me auditorily, and watch and tell me what I was doing wrong. He was very good at describing things and telling me, you know. Uh But it would it was kind of strange. The more I think about it, you know, I have thought about it since. But uh, he taught me how to conduct, but I've never that's not my comfort level.
0: Right,
1: right. Uh, But a choir is. I mean, I love that that idea of having a choir. And, um, hopefully I'll get to do one next year at my school. We have a teacher who says that, um, she plays the, well, she plays the piano and she'd be interested in helping me with choir. And so I'm really excited about that possibility, but that will have its own challenges that I I need, you know, we'll have to deal with. But, um, so student teaching, I got a lot of those experiences and the kids were very accepting and I've never really ever had a problem with kids not being accepted accepting. I think that adults you know have a harder time always say than kids do. Oh yeah, yeah, they' they're just okay, whatever, you know
0: right right. Um, so tell me about how you got your job were you so you know when you graduated from um, from college, were you nervous to Abs-
1: Absolutely, but I think I didn't realize how nervous I was until uh, I had one interview at a at a uh, it was a Catholic school, and she was very good about asking me great questions. Never made me feel like that the job was not for me or anything. But I didn't get that job, and so then I got to thinking, I was like, well, I don't know about this, you know, is, is it? will it happen, will it happen? And so then that summer, after I graduated, I was in the midst of taking a, a class, a certification to help me with, um, so, uh, it's a teaching meth- um, methods class that I was taking, method- methodology of teaching, that would give me some extra certification. And during that class, I was taking that class, it was a two-week class, and I got another interview from this principal. And uh, meanwhile, during that same time, I had had thought, well, I'll just go ahead and start my master's Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know about this job situation, but... Uh, and there was a st- uh, scholarship available at Vanderbilt University, which is one of our top top universities here in the in the country and um, they had a scholarship to be a uh, teacher of the visually impaired. And so I thought, well hey if I don't get a music position, I'll do that because it's something I know and I know I can teach so that's what I'll do so I'm all this is happening mm-hmm. I'm making that decision to go to college. Here comes this interview in the middle of this class, and the principal was a, a lady who used to work in this very school system that I'm teaching in now. And she, uh, the interview was at her house because I think there was some construction or something going on at the school. So that was kind of nerve wracking to have an interview at somebody's house. But okay, it's an interview, and right. you know, so. But every question, looking back on it. That she asked me, every question that she asked me, looking back at it now, was really set me up for failure, I yeah. felt like afterwards. Um, she had already decided, you know, she didn't want me in this position, but looking back at it at the same time, it's, it's, it's now a learning experience or, you know, that I had to toughen up. She would say, you know, what uh, what would you do if a child hit another child? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what would any teacher do? You might not see it, you know, if you were watching. And that very much happens sometimes. And I don't remember what I said, you know. But uh, there were several questions like that. And at one point she even said, I don't think that my children could handle it. Like, she didn't say, what? But we know what, you know. And so I yeah. came back with a very distraught kind of feeling, I think, that... I bet. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's just our biggest fear as people with disabilities yeah. is that, you know, interview and it doesn't matter what you say or what you do, they see you as a person with disability and they're not hiring yeah. you.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, later on, that person, um, after I got the job the next year, I got the job, I uh, had interviewed with our superintendent of schools because the principal had not been hired for the current school that I'm, the school that I'm in now, the, the principal had not been hired there at the time. And the, the, the uh, superintendent called me up at eight o'clock in the morning and I had a presentation for a college class that morning and uh, had been up practically all night getting prepared for that. But that um, superintendent calls me and says, you know, can you get here at nine o'clock? And I said, okay, we're on the way. So I, I uh, and we were thirty minutes away, and so I, I woke my mom and dad up, and I'm like, "We're going to, we're going to go do an interview with their superintendent of schools," and so that interview was awesome, and uh, something I think came out in me that that day, uh, I guess as a result of of uh, the experience that I had had the year before and I basically said you know you may not think that I can do this job but I'm here to tell you that I'm, I am I, can do it mm-hmm. and come to find out he had had that uh, director of schools had had experience and he told me at that interview that he had had experience with two other blind people mm-hmm. and one being uh, somebody he went to college with who told him that the only thing that she couldn't do was drive Right. and the other person was uh, his ex father-in-law his ex-father-in-law and uh so those were positive experiences for him which um were in were for in my favor you know yeah and he's still he's now on our school board and he's still every time he's in the building he'll stop by the principal my current principal i mean is a different person than who hired me but every time he's in the building he's he's now at the Central office, but he'll always stop by, and you know he'll tell people too that oh, I'm, I'm I hired her, you know, and uh, just just a sense of pride, which mm-hmm. yeah, it makes you feel good, you know, that somebody um, took that chance and 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 did so because they had had a positive experience with somebody that was blind.
0: Yeah, um, tell tell me about what it felt like when you got your job
1: um i was elated but it yet scared mm-hmm. um i didn't know you know what kind of assistance i would get in the classroom or what assistance i even needed and that superintendent had told the principal i guess or maybe the principal had decided i don't know who but that they decided that they were going to give me somebody for the first two weeks full time mm-hmm. to to be there for me and um as an assistant. And I didn't have to ask for it or anything. There it was. And then they said, uh, it has now dwindled. I mean, it has for several years now, but maybe that first year even, uh, to six hours a week. So I have somebody for six hours a week to, we, we schedule our timing according to what my schedule is and what my planning times are. So the person helps behind the scenes, but when I when I first got the job, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I I um, didn't. I had my technology. I knew where I, uh, what I wanted to do. I had plans that I had um, saved from student teaching. But then I, you know, I still had to look up other stuff. And during college, luckily, I had a, a teacher who had she had for some reason typed out some of the lesson plans that were in the the uh, teacher's editions, which were not available in Braille. And I had, during college, somebody had scanned all that stuff in for me. So I had text files of of things and that I could use. But since um, that first year of teaching, I was like, well, you know, technology is growing. Let me just contact some of these publishers and see if they'll send me their teacher's editions and different things uh, digitally and they have and still to this day you know there's a company that sends their magazine to me i've purchased everything but they they send the magazine to me digitally and mm-hmm. I'm, you know you don't you don't know what you're going to get unless you ask sometimes yeah. and so that that first year teaching was just amazing because uh, this things just came into place there was a teacher and she said my cousin is a volunteer braillist in california and uh, through the some Transcribers Association. I was like, oh, you know, let let me have their information. And they brailled many books for me, free of charge. You know, I would send them the cost of paper or whatever it was, or their copies and stuff. But, I mean, just different things like that happened that first year that just made me think, wow, I mean, this has got to be a dream, really.
0: So um, one of the big concerns that people have um, as you know a blind person I think it's you know one of the big reasons that it's hard to find a job as a teacher is is classroom management so tell me Mm -hmm. about how you manage that
1: well you know I have always had a I've always known that classroom management was something that I had to nail uh, because if I didn't I was not going to function and the kids would not uh, believe me to be you know, their teacher in such a sense, in, in a sense, you know, um, they wouldn't take me for real, Yeah, I guess, better way of saying it. And so, um, I just, it just was something that I had to do and I made it work. And, uh, and the subject area, I guess, music, music, as it is kind of whole group instruction and it's not so, some of it is not, visual-visual, you know, in terms of grading papers and those kinds of things, I feel like it's easier to manage because you're working with a group of, of kids all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there are different things going on. But, but um, you know, I had talked to many teachers and asked them, sighted teachers, and said, you know, what are some of the things that you do, um, such as a seating chart. You know, I knew that I had to have a, a way to know where the kids were and catch the ones that were misbehaving. And so this lady that I was telling you about earlier who had had me observe and was mod- helping me to think about how to modify things in the beginning, she was one of the ones that I consulted when it came to classroom management because I knew her classroom management was so good. And I also knew that she could tell me some, help me think through some modifications. And so she said, well, why don't you make a carpet that has a grid on it and give each child a number and, uh, then you have that list of numbers and then you keep your misbehaviors in the front and, and still the this day, that's what I do. And, you know, somebody will come in I sat on number three last year. I said, oh yes, that's cause that's my favorite number, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really because you're a pain and, uh, <laughs> I need to know where you are right in front of me, you know, oh, um, but, um, Just different things like that, you know, just listening. I mean, I think that's a lot of classroom management is just listening and being so aware. And and some of it is also bluffing, you know. Uh You know, like, um, I know that everybody's not sitting on their bottom, you know, or (laughs) everybody needs to be sitting crisscross, you know. And sure enough, somebody's not, you know. Or Nothing I'll say, common
0: sense,
1: right? yes, exactly. But you know, they think, and sometimes I'll just say stuff, and it ends up being right. You know, the other day, the other day I was standing out in the hall, and um, a class was coming in, and I had sandals on, and I said, you know, so and so, you need to tie your shoe. And the teacher was like, "How did you know that?" And I was like, "Cause the shoelace hit my foot." <laughs> You know, and and so I got lucky, you know, but little things like that. And, of course, the kids tell on each other, and the kids know. You know, they'll tell somebody new. um, uh, She can't see, but she sure can hear. She can hear better than anybody in the whole school, they'll say. And, uh, yeah, so even kindergartners, you know, they understand that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. another thing that a a friend of mine who um, was also a blind teacher told me, is that you want to get the students on your side? Absolutely. Open about your blindness, and you
1: want to get Absolutely. The on your side. Yes, and I am very open, and I, um, I, I, from day one, talk about my blindness. Talk about I don't make like a big deal of it, mm-hmm. but I let them know that this is what has happened, you know. But yet, I, I say I can't see, but, but what can I do? Mm. And the kids will tell. Mm-hmm. And the kids will say, you know, yeah. And then my computer, when it sometimes I have it hooked up to my speakers or whatever, and the voice is, you know, coming out of it, and and it's talking so fast. Just today, one of the kids said, well, how can you how can you understand that thing?" You know, they say uh, everybody will say that, and I say, "Well, I just I'm just a good listener. I just I'm a quick listener." And one of them said, "This was a first grader just today. Said, you know, you can't see, but you sure can listen fast." you know, and so um, you do, you have to make believers out of them
0: yeah, yeah, I love it Um, what, tell me tell me about what a typical day is like for you
1: a typical day is I get to work about uh, 7 15 or so and the first thing I have is hallway duty so I have to stand out in the hallway as the kids are walking walking down the hall and making sure, you know, and I always catch the runners Mm-hmm. And uh, the ones that try to sneak by me real quietly. Oh man, you got us, they'll <laughs> say you know. <laughs> so that's how my day starts so that I have I have um, classes every uh, 40 minutes, 30 well for kindergarten I have classes every 20 25 minutes or so and then um, I have kindergarten and then I have different grade levels all throughout the day. Um, and the kids come to me mm-hmm. and so I, have planning uh, breaks in the middle of the day sometimes, or at different times, and that's when my assistant will come in and we'll work on behind the scenes types of things. Um, uh, and then, and, and then, the day just continues on. I usually have uh, seven or eight classes sometimes, or as many as five a day, depending on, depending on the day and the grade levels. What, what kind um, of activities do you do with your students? Uh, I do. I do some, uh, of course, singing with them. But kids nowadays can't just sit and sing like we used to when we were in in school. So now it's really, what about. Really,
0: do. I remember doing singing time. Oh yes. <laughs> oh,
1: kids cannot focus to sit and just sing, and they don't like to sing a lot. So, kind of have to give them that skill. But uh, I use. Um, I do a lot. Of, I do movement with them. So I've had to learn how to do folk dances, and, Mm. you know, try to figure out how to get kids in a circle is always a challenge, Um, but, how do you do that? Well, I, my carpet is, uh, my carpet is a long rectangle, and so I just say, get around the edges of the carpet, and, you know, just try to, try to make a circle the best you can, and, Mm -hmm. The older ones can do it. The younger ones, sometimes I'll put a hula hoop on the front floor and say, let's, you know, kind of get around it and then step back. But, they, I mean, I've gotten to where um, I used to spend a lot of time on that. And then I thought, well, who really cares if it's not a circle? <laughs> 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 you know, as long as nobody's hurting each other, we're all right. And um, I do a lot of instrument playing with them. I have lots of, um, like, handheld instruments.
0: Oh those uh, are always so fun. Mm-hmm.
1: And as well as I have uh, like I have little kid handbells that we've we're using um, I have uh, what are called orf instruments which are barred instruments that have, like xylophones and metallophones they they have bars on them and you can take some of the bars off and play together and it sounds absolutely beautiful. Oh, um, awesome. and uh, so a lot of a lot of different things we use technology quite a bit. I have a a document camera that I use where I'll put a document under it that I've brailled that visually the kids can see but I can read it and like for example if I'm teaching a recorder I have um, the music my assistant reads me the music and I braille it on the on the braille writer with the actual print music
0: mm-hmm.
1: where the kids can see the notes above the, me reading my braille and I put it under the document camera and I point just like a sighted person would and I feel so sighted, I always say it's just so cool, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I can, uh, and the kids don't know, you know, sometimes they can't figure out how, how, how are you doing that? And then somebody, somebody will finally, you know, you've got Braille under there, but, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, music is very different than what it used to be when I was a kid, you know, it was not opening a book and singing out of it, and that's what we used to do, but, not anymore. You've got to keep kids active and up and alert and just, um, I've gotten into using, um, you kind of have to, technology has its challenges as well, you know, sometimes. And so, uh, I the, the school is using Google, everything now. Mm-hmm. And so, I've had to try to figure out how to use Google Docs and it's just so frustrating sometimes. And Google Classroom, which is uh, what the kids are using now, and um, they—I've uh, had to figure out how to how to make that work. But basically, Google Classroom is where you have a—you can create assignments, digital assignments for the kids, and and they like they fill out a form, for example, for a, for a, like a questionnaire of some sort, and then it. It takes a, their answers and compiles it on a spreadsheet, and so like today, I I did that, and you could uh, read their I could read their answers, and uh, it's pretty pretty empowering.
0: That's that's really cool. In what way is blindness do you think an asset to you as a teacher, and in what way is it is a ch- is it a challenge?
1: Oh wow. Um, and a child, an, an asset, how would it be an asset? Well, I think, um, I think the asset would be that I'm teaching other people that despite the fact that I am blind, I am able to, to be your teacher, mm-hmm. um. And they're going to take that with them for the rest of their lives, I feel like. I always say, I'm giving these kids more, More, I'm giving them more of an education than just music. I'm teaching them more than, you know, hopefully I'm giving them um, a life skill that they'll learn to accept other, other people as they are, you know. Yeah. Uh, challenge, I think, would be just sometimes, you know, I'd like to just... Look and call out that person that's not doing such and such right, or, 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 uh, or go help with certain areas that I simply can't, such as maybe oh, cafeteria duty or something. Which I have done cafeteria duty before, mm-hmm. but 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 different things that sometimes would would be easier to do with vision. You know, yeah, sure. I mean, nobody ever makes me feel bad about it, but sometimes I kind of feel bad that, like, oh, I can't help people, you know, in a, in a better right. way or. Right. So, uh, I mean, there are times like that, you know.
0: Yeah, I think we all um, experience them as people with mm-hmm. disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of answered this, but if you had anything to add, you know, what, apart from music, do you hope your students learn from you?
1: Yeah, I think that's the main thing is for them to learn that, anything is possible, and to accept others, and to remember, you know, having me as their teacher, and tell somebody, oh, she did it, so I can do it, you know, or, um, I sent my mind to, if she could do it, I could do, I can, I can try to do this, you know, something similar.
0: Right, right. I, I remember, um, talking to a blind teacher several years ago when I was in college, and he said, um... I'd love it if one of my students went on to hire a blind person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's very true. Um, that would be the ultimate gift, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what he. That's what he thought.
1: Too. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, my question—we'll see how you, how it, how what yes. you can think of. But what, what is blindness to you?
1: Oh, I've had a really hard time to think of what that means, but the only, only thing I can really come up with is the fact that uh, blindness, I think people perceive it in different ways. Uh, some perceive it as it's a quote inconvenience, you know, like I'm just blind and I don't need anybody's help and, you know, I can do what I need to, need to do and I I am Able to do whatever I set my mind to, and, and, and that's true to some extent, but I think at the same time, it's okay to ask for help, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, okay to lean on pe- people to be your support system, and I think that makes you a stronger person, really. Uh, and at the same time, you have to know your limit, I mean, you have to understand that you don't want to overuse that either.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, there's a balance,
1: there's a balance. Got to got to be a balance, um, but I, I think that's the thing. Is you know, yeah, you can't do anything you set your mind to, but be realistic about it too. I think, you know, or try to come up with ways um, uh, that something can be done uh, in a in a realistic sense.
0: I think just dis- I think having a disability, you get good at problem solving.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I think in a way you do especially with blindness because there's so much that you can do, but you've got to figure out how it's going to be done like you know you right chains right. Or, or cutting yeah, wow.
1: yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah our feet are feeding the baby right I mean that was my one of my'm I'm, I'm married and I have an eight-year-old daughter uh-huh. who who attends my school and oh, um,
0: that must be so fun.
1: It is fun. It really is fun, you know. But she she will tell people, yeah, mom catches me doing whatever, whatever, you know. Right. And, uh, so yeah. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. I remember um, with Marie when I fed Marie, I, I, she figured out that I just I couldn't aim the spoon right. Right. And, and so she started guiding it after a couple of weeks. Like, oh, I'm good, I'm good tired for her. Of the kale sauce in my eyes. So.
1: Right. I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter did things like that too. I mean, uh, she would she figured out how to show me stuff. You know, she took my hand and showed me stuff. Yeah, even at you know, year and a half, two years old. Yeah, if yeah. not younger, they know.
0: I know it's, it's fun. I love being. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my last question, unless you can think of anything else, is um, what is the most important lesson that you have learned? that you'd want to pass on to somebody else?
1: Important lesson. Um, well, I, I think, once again, go for your dreams. You know, if, if, if you have a deep interest in something, there's always a way for something, that to, for things to happen. But you have to be ready for those challenges as well. And... Figure out a way to either face them or change your direction if, if it's not working out. And uh, I think I would also want to tell people to be productive in their lives. You know, there's so many, unfortunately, there's so many blind people that they'll have a lot of education, but then sometimes not go anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say put yourself out there you know, and, uh, and try to, try to put, try to, um, what am I trying to say? Take this, take that stumbling out.
0: I think, I think, (laughs) um, I think what you mean is, you know, I, I listened to a, a talk one time by a blind lady and she said, you know, being blind, you know, or having a disability takes courage, and I'm not talking about the kind of courage, oh yeah, you took a breath, not not that kind of courage, Right. but it takes courage to go into a job interview, and yes. to hope that you'll find the the per, the people, somebody that will take you seriously, and somebody that will believe in you, because you are going mm-hmm. to deal with a lot of rejection, and it takes yes. courage to
1: do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember my friend, uh, Fred Gussoni, who has passed away, uh, he worked at the printing house for the blind, he's a He's an icon in the blindness field. I feel like, but he 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 told me uh, one time that you know I know you're going to find something, and you are going to have a lot of rejections, and you'll feel like sometimes it's not going to happen for you. But I just know it is. And he says, I don't say this to many people, but you know you're 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 going to be okay. But you have to keep keep trying, keep trying. You know, no matter what happens, but that persistence.
0: Yeah. I think. I think so too. I think I think Are having a disability teaches you problem solving and persistence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because yeah. you've got to adapt to a world that isn't necessarily fit for you. Right.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing too, is the world is not fit for us and we would like to make ourselves think that it is. You know, yeah. but we have to learn to live in that outside world as well and I think some people get stuck in that idea of oh everything has to happen for me because I'm blind and that's the way it should be but unfortunately that's not the way it it always is
0: right 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 yeah Yeah. there's a balance between your rights and your responsibilities
1: Mm mm-hmm absolutely
0: yeah well awesome yes thank you thank you
1: (laughs) she Um, agrees
0: yes she agrees (laughs) listen to that (laughs) i love the baby coos they're so cute yes
1: yes absolutely
0: well can you think of anything else
1: no i think that about covers it
0: awesome well thank you so much for
1: um well thank you
0: coming on and that's i always love i'm it's, it's been You're welcome. A, it's been an interview, and for, we've been waiting a while because, you know, it's been a little crazy having a baby that's, in the middle of starting a podcast. So. Absolutely,
1: but that's okay.
0: Awesome. Hey, well, it thank happened. you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for doing this, and, and hopefully it's going to affect somebody in in some way.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. That that's That's why I do it. I do it in the hope that somebody... Who's, you know, thinking about teaching will listen to your story or um, you know, people that are thinking about just all kinds of things, you know. I mean I, I interviewed my friend who's a blind rancher and somebody will wonder if they could do that and listen to his story and realize that they can.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I love those stories <laughs> Oh she's a doll. Fun. Oh. Hey, well thank Sweet. you
0: so much. You're very welcome, and very I'll welcome. Let you, I'll let you know when it comes out. Um, okay. And if you know anybody, if you happen to know anybody who has, um, you know, who might be a good guest for the show, I'm looking for people. Okay. Um, and if you know it, I'm, I'm also trying to expand it to other disabilities besides blindness. Okay, okay, yeah. And, and the thing about the blind community is we're so, I mean, you could, you know, have a cold at midnight and some blind person will call you and ask you. And then I say, know, I know. Doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I love interviewing blind people, but I'd like to expand it to other people. Absolutely, yeah. Disabilities have been successful. Sure.
1: Yeah, I'll be on the lookout. Nobody comes to mind this moment, but I'll be thinking.
0: Awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much.
1: All right, thank you. I hope you'll enjoy this very special song sung by my first graders.
0: for joining us on ability stories please review this podcast in itunes to comment on this episode please go to abilitystories.podbean.com if you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on ability stories send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com and thanks for listening